We expect to be, you know, at pretty significant capacity until until the end of January here locally. Monday, January 10th, 2022, 1.34 million new cases of COVID-19 are reported across the U.S., and most of them are the Omicron variant, while only months before we were in the midst of the Delta variant. And you are changing variants. Um, you have a lot of patients in the hospital who are on those 20, sometimes 30 days from the prior Delta variant which is adding to hospitalization numbers, especially ICU. And then you have new cases from a rapidly changing and transmissible uh, variant. Now, as hospitals fill up and testing sites are packed, could we be near the end of Omicron? Bottom line, it's not as simple as yes. You look at uh, South Africa and UK, that peak didn't last as long as prior peaks. Um, However, um, they weren't dealing with uh, the residual Delta nearly like we are. On TV, we only get a few minutes to share each story, but here we get to tell you all the details about stories that are important to Greater Cincinnati. I'm Stephen Albert, and this is WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. Today on the pod, Chief Clinical Officer for Mercy Health Cincinnati and Medical Director for Hamilton County Public Health, Dr. Steve Fagans. He works directly with COVID-19 patients and other hospitals to fight off COVID-19. He breaks down where we are in this surge, what's happening inside hospitals, and how the end of Omicron will be very different from the community compared to hospital systems. WLWT, connecting you to what's happening in your neighborhood with Cincinnati's most accurate forecast and live traffic updates. Covering everything that means something to you. So you have what you need to start your morning. WLWT News 5 today, weekday mornings at 4.35 and 6. Here's my sit down with Dr. Steve Fagans. The easiest way to ask this question is, are we close to the end of this Omicron wave, Omicron variant? We're hearing things that what we're experiencing now is kind of what Britain and South Africa have gone through. And we're usually a couple of weeks behind them because their cases fell sharply um, after a little bit of time when this Omicron variant. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's heartening to see that. Um, you know, some in the UK still not sure if they've peaked yet. Um, are they are they really peaking or dropping? Um, here in Southwest Ohio, we um, sometimes have the luxury of looking to Northeast Ohio and then Central Ohio and then here for what we expect. Um, in Cuyahoga County, um, a week and a half ago, they had the highest case rate in the country. One in 75 hospitalized COVID patients were in a Cleveland Clinic hospital. Uh, they're still experiencing, um, you know, a significant surge. We um, talk with them. We, you know, sometimes take patients. And, and we so we look to, to Northeast Ohio as an example of what we can expect here, uh, as well as Central Ohio. Um, surgeries have been canceled for, for a couple of weeks. We, um, we feel like we're on the upswing here. We're still on the upswing, um, you know, well over 900 inpatients. Um, the, the thing to remember is that when you are changing variants, um, you have a lot of patients in the hospital who are on those 20, sometimes 30 days from the prior Delta variant, which is adding to hospitalization numbers, especially ICU. And then you have new cases from a rapidly changing and transmissible uh, variant. Even though the Omicron variant is less severe, uh, than the Delta, it's still about as severe as the original Wuhan strain. So if you think about an unvaccinated population, what that was like then, we are experiencing um, much less in the general population because we are partially, I mean, nice to be more, but partially vaccinated. Okay. Um, and so you got something that's, uh, you know, four times as transmissible, but half as severe, it's still a lot of severity. Mm-hmm. And so 
hospital numbers are going to continue to go up over the next two weeks um, as there is the residual of the Delta uh, still in the hospital and the residuals of that. Uh, and you see new cases before we peak. Um, some have predicted the local Anderson Center at Cincinnati Children predicted 1,200 uh, max out. We maxed it a little over 800 um, last January. That's a lot more patients. Um, we also didn't have nearly the staff impacted uh, by COVID and, and, and a large number out. Um, so our ability to uh, get folks back, know there's the five days, plan for that, plan for staffing. And so that's all part of our plans is we expect to be um, on the upswing for about two weeks. Um, the, the, the other big question is, well, how, how long will we peak before we start to come back down? Um, we don't know. If you look at uh, South Africa and UK, that peak didn't last as long as prior peaks. Um, however, um, they weren't dealing with uh, the residual of Delta nearly like we are. And so we still have a lot of cases of uh, Delta. Um, we still have a good chunk of our population vaccinated. And so that's still the majority of hospitalized cases, even though that exposure may have occurred a, a month ago. So that's why um, hospitals will remain pretty heavily full and are on incident commands and crisis standards of care and, and things that you've heard about, reducing visitors from two to one, looking at bringing administrative staff to have clinical skills to the bedside again, all those things probably until the end of January. Um, and so, you know, and, and, and prepare for everything, hope you don't need it all, um, but it's incumbent upon us to, to prepare. And so the hospital systems all, you know, Christ, Tri-Health and Mercy and UC and St. Elizabeth, we meet every other day um, and go over our numbers and go over what uh, capacity we have. Um, we're under the banner of the Health Collaborative when we do that. Um, the outlying hospitals, the Adams Counties, the Margaret Marys and others are also part of that. The transfers in from those outlying hospitals are um, you know, also part of our calculation as well as transfers in from other parts of the state and or country that's much more impacted. And so it's a, it's a daily grind, but we expect to be um, you know, at pretty significant capacity until, until the end of January here locally. Wow, and, and when you say that out loud to yourself, somebody who's been dealing with this for two years, you've been doing the interviews, you've been training patients, but then you still have to say things like you just said, you know, still gonna be full for at least the next two weeks. As a doctor, you know, what mindset does that give you? Like, what, what are your thoughts on just that? So, um, you know, I'm kind of the guy that has to give the worst case. <laughs> And so, um, you know, if I said, hey, we're all, we're all good and it's going to be over, um, you know, one, no one would believe me. And, uh, and but, um, yeah, you have to you have to think that that's that's what we as doctors do. We come and we tell you, like, what this could be, what we think this is. Um, and and we're going to figure out hopefully it's not that. Uh, but we're going to share with you like the worst case it could be and that's just a natural thing that that we do is and, and, and as physicians move in the like, chief medical officer and leaders and stuff um it's also a natural extension of that and, and, and you know administrators look to us to, to give them the give them the truth uh, as best we know it and um we uh, you know the modelers um you know, been is, and they have this supercomputer, and they it appears to me they draw a straight line. Okay, <laughs> and, and so, but they, but they, you know, analyze a lot um, in terms of the numbers as they go up or go down. They are more accurate during a change 
than as you can you know just as, as you can predict what the next day and the next day and the next day and we are incrementally you know 50 um a day uh which is a very steep slope um and we will not have that same slope going down because of the residual uh, when individuals are hospitalized they're there for a long time um especially as we progress through that early on um you know, individuals who are in the hospital had, had older age, much older age, a lot of comorbidities. Um, we may have withdrawn care um, at a sooner time than, than we are now. In fact, we are not withdrawing care because it's a younger age and a, a less comorbidity population. And so when you, you know, you, you, the 100 people for five days is a lot different than 50 people for 20 days. You're looking at kind of staff in your hospital, especially the the personnel required to take care of them. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty significant when you say those numbers out loud. And uh, you touched on it a little bit how Omicron, while still as severe as the initial virus, um, may not be pay- making people as sick. And tell me if I'm wrong here. Like it, it sounds like something where before, say, ten people go in the ho- go get sick with COVID, three might go to the hospital. But now we're in a situation where a hundred people might get sick, and thirty people have to go to the hospital. Is that kind of what's happening here? That's exactly right. You're exactly right. There are more people going to the hospital, not because it's more severe, but there's a whole lot more people coming positive. You, you are probably having difficulty having reporters. Um, because everybody's getting a positive test. You know, every industry is impacted um, during this. And, and, and the surge for the positive test will be more short-lived than, than what we see in the hospitals. Because, you know, you get a positive test, you do five days, you wear a mask, and, and you're kind of back in the action. Um, and so there are really two kind of, kind of peaks. Uh, the peak that occurs in the community um, and that's what we're talking about when we look at South Africa, to some extent, UK, the, the European. We're really talking about the community positive tests that go rapidly up um, and then come rapidly down. My world is those uh, that proportion of the population that, that are sick enough to find themselves in a hospital. And that peak goes rapidly up, but stays at a peak and then comes down slower. Okay, that's and that's good to know. I'm glad you uh, the the, the uh, pointed that out. The difference because if people need to know that you know there's the, the testing that we're going to hear about. What I think 1.3 million cases yesterday. I think was the number that was put out there. That'll drop off, but we're going to still see full hospitals for a couple weeks, if not a month after that. Exactly. Well said. And and you know as we rejoice, uh, those percentages starting to go down of the positive tests. Um, you know, there is a delay, the two week, the two week, the two week from hospitalizations to ICU to um, the discharge. Um, and so that's why the hospitals and healthcare systems have to be kind of vigilant for a longer period of time. That's exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there anything I missed or anything else you wanted to add? You know, um, as, as we're beginning to see some oral medications um, coming out, they're coming out in very small quantities. Um, and that's almost as problematic as if they came out, if they weren't here. So if you have 20 doses of something, what do you do? Um, and that's that's becoming our dilemma. And we're working through um, with the healthcare systems to stand up ready to when we have more and more and more and are able to um, keep some folks out of the hospital by using oral medications. Same thing with the transition to the monoclonals. You know, we have two that we were getting pretty comfortable with, and now they're not effective against Omicron. And we had been continuing to use those for as long as we possibly could, but we now clearly, it's over 80% 
here locally. And so we've had to transition to this atrovimab and there's not that much of it. And that's a concern as well over these next two to three weeks is um, even some of the things that we had for outpatient care, we won't have as much. Um, and so that's that weighs into our calculations as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it just popped another question in my head. How does that decision on who gets care get made? Is that a hospital by hospital? Is that a health collaborative? Or do you need to be in this age group with these symptoms? I guess, how, how do you guys separate who gets these yeah, so, two final pills? Because I'm sure yeah, that's a tough so, decision for everybody. Well, and, and, and to some extent, that's what crisis standards of care are. Uh, when you have uh, more individuals with something, then you have uh, either supplies, personnel, or treatment. And so, um, and it's pretty straightforward. Um, if you have 100 doses of something, and the first 100 people who qualify by the criteria get it, and then number 101 goes on a waiting list. And and there's there's no way I would keep something on a shelf for even a day, um, waiting for a better patient or some. I'm not going to put anyone in that position. Um, and so there are criteria, certain you know comorbidities and other things that that put people at risk for being hospitalized. Uh, and if individuals fall in that criteria, and there's a prescription, we're going to fill it until we don't have it, and then we'll go to the next one until we don't have it, and then we'll go to the waiting list. And so um, that's just, that's the classics of triage. That's how it's worked forever and will continue to work. And um, you know, it's what we've kind of been doing. And and and. And as I explain it that way, it seems more comfortable, doesn't it? It's like, oh, you're not making agonizing decisions on a case-by-case basis, nor should we. Um, I should never put any of the first-line folks into some kind of value judgment on people's lives. No way. You come, we got it, we give it. Um, it, it you know, and, and, and until we don't, and then we get a waiting list, and then we give it. Um, and that's how all systems kind of working together. I, I could tell you how much TriHealth has and Christ, and we and they know how much we have. Um, and, and, you know, and we'll give it until we, we don't. And we share, um, you know, some some of the facilities received more of the Citrovimab, others received none. And then we, you know, share up so that, so that we at least, um, everyone has an equal opportunity to give it. Thanks to Dr. Steve Fagans for joining us. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This has been WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. I'm Stephen Albritton. Thanks for listening. Real people, real issues, real conversations. Let's talk about real solutions to issues facing our community. These stories are your stories. So let's talk Cincy. Presented by Western and Southern Financial Group. Saturdays at 730 on WLWT.